0: Good evening to everyone once again. And we can say good evening, glory to the Lord, because an evening like this is wonderful, marvelous. The joy to be here, the promises of the Lord fulfilled, may the honor, the glory, the praise and exaltation be forever given to the name of the living God. Glory to our God. Glory to the King. We're going to open our Bibles to 1 Kings in the Old Testament. And it reads here in 1 Kings chapter number 8. We're going to go to verse 22. This is the moment where Solomon prays, dedicating the temple, inaugurating the temple. And we're going to read in an alternating fashion. I'll read one verse, and you'll read the following. We're going to do all this for the honor and glory of our God. It reads here in the Bible, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel, and spread out his hands toward heaven. You have kept what you promised your servant David, my father. What he promised because this he fulfilled it. Because what God promises, he fulfills. Like he does today. Glory to the Lord. You have both spoken with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day. Now I pray, O God of Israel, let your word come true, which you have spoken to your servant David, my father. (inaudible) Yet, regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication. O Lord, my God, and listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying before you today. May the honor, the praise, and the exaltation be always given to the King. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. glory to the Lord. Brothers and sisters, I invite you to take a seat. What a wonderful prayer. And what's even more wonderful is that this prayer is brought to life today, and the heart of each one of us has expressed similar words as those that Solomon spoke. Glory to the King of Kings. I leave you with our brother Oscar Carrillo, who's going to share with you how this wonderful blessing was received.
1: Brothers and sisters, good evening. I am also very excited, just as all of you are. Why? Because ever since I walked in, I saw a lot of happy faces giving thanks. Our sister has always asked us to find suitable places for the congregation. Today is the day of the inauguration, and I want to share with you how we found this place. This church was for sale in 2014 for almost $6 million dollars. But the first time we came to see it was in 2018. How did the negotiation go? In 2018, we came to see it, and this belonged to an African-American congregation. They were asking for $5 million. Our sister authorized us to begin the negotiation. When we began to negotiate everything, our sister came to see it, and the first thing she told us was, demo everything. She loved us so much that she said, let us demolish it. She thought it was beautiful. <laughs> and now we're going to see why. So in 2019, we bought it for 2840000 in September of 2019. What was the beautiful part? Many were telling us what the church in Margate had to endure in the previous location. And what was it? I was also a believer congregating in Margate for some time, and I would see what you all had to endure. So much so that when we began to grow even more, The opposite happened. More churches would come trying to copy us. We would change the schedule. And they would also change the schedule thinking that that's what drove us to success. So much so that one day I was in church. I went out to speak with the owner because that space, uh, I went to the city to ask them if they would approve an additional 100 people. And when we did the analysis, they didn't approve it because the things of God, I mean, I've lived it in the flesh. We've always had to endure difficult things, meaning that all those other churches are there without any permits, but they don't say anything to them. So it's amazing because the work is against the devil is hard, but we have a great advantage. God always gives us victory. Glory to God. And we're going to see how this church was before. When we bought it, it was like this. Clean, pretty. Let's continue. The parking lot had no lights. It was completely neglected this is this room was just like this with these wide columns. This is the main sanctuary here and now, what happened? This was the church where people would congregate, and there was a school over there, and it had many rooms in this picture, I wanted to show you this is where our brother Jose Luis said that when we begin with the inspections we don't know how bad it was everything was rotten and everything they would do was basically just really bad quality patches so the only thing we changed in this church was the floor the ceilings the walls the painting everything truly i mean the thing is there's nothing old here everything nothing because for god we want the best glory to god And here we can see some pictures, how we had to basically rebuild it completely. Everything is new, and we see the before and after. And the most beautiful part, the parking lots. These are the two areas. The blue area is where we are right now. 4,900 people. They authorized us uh, to have 348 people in here. And in the English service later, Our sister already authorized it for next year. It's for 250 people. Glory to God. And now we're going to present a small video right at the end now so that you can see the two lots that exist here. So the first lot, 100 parking spaces and six handicapped. And this is the second lot. Perhaps some of you have not seen it yet, but it goes all the way to the parking space and there's 112 parking spaces. So basically 230 spaces, but we have for approximately 270 people because there's a lot of green areas of overflow. So we can basically have 270 parking spaces It's what we've always had to endure in in the church. So glory to God. God gave us this beautiful place. And I think you can see the magnitude. This is huge. It's almost three acres, actually, four acres. And everything is with the latest in technology because we want to give the best to the Lord. We have seen that we must give that to God. And, brothers and sisters, enjoy it. Enjoy it with spiritual gifts that many more teachers and apostles may rise from here because it's true that the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. We have felt it lately. We have seen how the pandemic has impacted many people, given making them lazy to come and praise and glorify God, but now they have no excuse saying there's no parking space. So welcome to the kingdom of heaven, and may God bless you. Glory to God. Very well. The glory is for the Lord.
0: Glory to the Heavenly Father. And what a better way to inaugurate a church. And then to enjoy the teaching of our God. And well, the will of God and what He has set for this day is to be reminded how the dynamic of a Bible study is with questions. Glory to the Heavenly Father. Something that over the course of three years
2: we haven't had.
0: So I leave you with our beloved teacher, our sister Maria Luisa Piraquive. May God bless you all greatly
3: good evening brothers and sisters you may be seated the brothers and sisters who congregate in the church in margate i don't know if everyone who is here in this moment congregates here please raise your hand if you congregate in margate well that makes me very happy because it means that the guests are few and we give our lord thanks and a greeting to all the brothers and sisters who are in the other room And to all the brothers and sisters who are in the other room, I send you a greeting with all of my affection. And I would have hoped that we could maybe break down some of these walls to just make one room. But, well, we're not going to maybe discard that possibility. And we are in the inauguration of this church that has been remodeled. It's not even a remodel, but it's been rebuilt built new. And thanks to the Lord, because these are God's promises that were made many years ago when the Lord made promises of building many churches to honor and glorify God. And so God has been fulfilling his word. And this is why we are so very happy This evening, in this inauguration, and a greeting to all of those visiting, the brothers and sisters visiting, and to all of the pastors and everyone who participated in the opening of this church in Margate. And just as in the scripture that was read by the brother Jose Luis concerning the inauguration of the Temple of Solomon, which in that chapter, it's beautiful to read, because it says that God empowered many men in that time to build that splendorous, majestic temple. And all of them, they did this work wholeheartedly. And I think that God's blessing was with all of those people. And today, here, we know that what counts is spiritual The temple being spiritual, which is our being, our heart. That is what God looks at the most. But we also need a place, a physical, material place where we can congregate. This is why we are happy and joyful today for having this place that God has provided. So that we are able to avoid... So much discomfort of having no parking or maybe they're kicking us out and they're not going to renew our lease. So we're always asking the Lord that he provide places so that we are able to honor his name. And thanks be to the Lord for this has come to pass. In every place worldwide, we see how God is providing Places so that his name may be glorified. And today we're going to have a short Bible study, but before then we're going to give the Lord thanks for having given us this place. And we are going to also sing a chorus. Which chorus could we maybe sing for the Lord to give him thanks? A chorus that maybe deals with what we're doing tonight. This is the church of God. Okay. Well, there's so many choruses. After we pray, let's sing chorus. This is the church of God. And this chorus does say that the gate of heaven is the house of God. And that is... Our heart, it's not a physical place, we know. So how about we say to the Lord that we are joyful today for this inauguration and let's sing the joy of the Lord. Now, I know I asked which chorus we should sing, but we're going to sing the one I picked. So let us pray and give thanks to the Lord. Holy Father, Heavenly Father, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Eternal God, our Father who was present In antiquity, with Moses, but before you had spoken to Abraham and made him wonderful promises, you were that God to Jacob and to Isaac. You made them the same promises, Lord. And those promises we see fulfilled today. Because you said to Abraham he would be the father of many nations. And that your word would be spread throughout all the world and today with your gospel, with the wonderful work of our Lord Jesus Christ, we see that those promises are fulfilled. We see your work in many places, and it is exciting and it is moving to see and to hear how your work, your congregation, is gathered together in a country we see how in all of South America, in Central America, North America, Europe, in many islands, in many places in Africa and Asia, there are congregations there. There is a group of people who congregate, who come together, and all are guided and led by the Holy Spirit. Because you, Lord, are the one that is guiding your people, your believers. Today, we feel so joyful and happy for this place that you have given here in Florida, in this specific place in Margate. Thank you, Lord, because you have provided this place so the brothers and sisters may be comfortable. They come to congregate and to receive the spiritual things, to receive the spiritual blessings the spiritual gifts to work in your vineyard, praying for people with laying on of hands and with all of the spiritual gifts you give to each. Thank you, Lord, because here they will testify of the miracles, of the wonders that you are doing for people and that you will also do from here on out in this place. Heavenly Father, thank you. We thank you in the glorious name of Jesus Christ. Thank you because without you, It would be impossible to do this because, Lord, you know that a lot of money is invested in all of this, and we as human beings would not have this money, this quantity, but you give the money and you multiply it. Thank you, Lord, because this has been a part of your promises when over 50 years ago you promised that there would be many congregations, many churches in different places all around the world, and that There would be no need to worry about the money because you would be the one providing and setting all of the necessary things in place. You would be providing the money. We would have no need to ask anyone for money. You said this. And till this day, this has been fulfilled for it is your word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you because you fulfill your wonderful promises. And we are standing here before your presence to give you thanks for this beautiful blessing. And now we're going to sing the chorus that says that the joy of the Lord is the strength of my life because truly you are our strength. You, Lord, you make promises and fulfill them. Thank you, Holy Father, in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son. Thank you, Lord.
2: medida él me da si tienes ese gozo puedes tú cantar si tienes ese gozo puedes tú danzar si tienes ese gozo puedes tú gritar y su gozo sin medida él te da.
3: glory to the lord you may be seated and as we said brothers and sisters this is a bible study And it's been three years since our last one. And today, it's not going to be so long, maybe four or five questions. But before then, we're going to open our Bibles in Acts. Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read from verse 37 to 47. And Let's remember the birth or the flourishing or the beginning of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. When our Lord Jesus Christ told Peter, he said to him, I have given you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Peter did not understand. No one understood what that was when our Lord Jesus Christ said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Because we know keys are to open a door. And exactly that, when this promise was fulfilled, that is when we understood what it meant to have the keys and to open the door to the kingdom of heaven. And here in Acts, this is where we find that beautiful story. And this is Peter's first sermon. It says that there was 120 people gathered in an upper room praying day and night, men and women, and they were seeking that power from on high, as the Lord had instructed them to gather and wait for that power from on high. And when they were filled with that power, this is when the beginning of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ would start. It was the functioning of the church that the Lord had left and had commanded his apostles to follow through with. And he says to them that they had to wait first to be filled with that power. They could not evangelize without first having received the power from on high. And so the Holy Spirit arrived and we've read this wonderful story many times. And on the day of Pentecost, it was a Jewish feast that day. They were all praying and the Holy Spirit descended like a sound of a mighty rushing wind where they were. And since there was such an uproar, a lot of the people who were around were shocked and immediately came to see what had happened, what had happened in that place. And they realized that they were all speaking in tongues. They were speaking other languages and they were prophesying. And so everyone arrived People gathered together and people were curious. And yet with all of that, there were still some who were mocking and saying, well, these people are drunk. These people are full of new wine. And this is when Peter stands up and gives the first sermon. And he says, no one is drunk, as you suppose. He began to speak from the very beginning In antiquity, all the promises that God had made through Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob. And he began to explain to them and tell them what was happening in that moment. That it was the coming or it was the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So this is why they were amazed by this message given by Peter in this moment when he stands to give this sermon When he preaches in this moment, this is when the word of our Lord Jesus Christ is fulfilled. When he said to him, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So we give our Lord thanks for this was fulfilled. It was fulfilled and he begins to preach. This is why in verse number, in Acts 2, Acts 2 in verse 37, it says that they We're listening to Peter's sermon. Peter's sermon begins in verse 14. But in verse number 36, Peter, giving his sermon, he tells them, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified. He made him both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, it says that all of those who had gathered together, all of those who came after hearing that sound and how the room shook, they were cut to the heart, it says, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the holy spirit peter is giving them a command to all those who were listening and he told them what needed to be done as we can see he opened the doors to the kingdom of heaven and It says in 39, For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Thanks be to our God. This is a beautiful promise. When it says that it was for your children and to all who are afar off, it is for everyone, anyone who God found worthy to call and to elect, and thanks be to our God. And it says that with many other words, the Apostle Peter testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. This was The first sermon, this is the first thing Peter did. This was the fulfillment of the promise that our Lord Jesus Christ made to Peter when he said, you will open the kingdom of heaven. I will give you the keys. You will be the first. And that is exactly what happened with this first sermon given by Peter. With that, he opened the door and it says the first believers here, it was 3,000 souls in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now, the Bible doesn't mention or share in detail the thousands of miracles, thousands of wonders and deeds the Lord worked and did in that time it's not narrated in the Bible this is why we read the verse and maybe we don't even realize how great this was when it says that they worked so many wonders and signs and as it doesn't share in detail we're not able to truly value and cherish the manifestation of the Lord through his apostles. Nor are we able to truly fathom and cherish all the things that our Lord Jesus Christ did in those three years when he was working on earth among people. It was thousands of things that happened and were not written. If not, then there would be many books that would have had to been written about that. And the same occurs with the apostles. The Lord worked thousands, and I could say millions, of miracles that the Lord worked. It was the manifestation that God had with the apostles in using them. And again, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as any one had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And how beautiful and how wonderful the word of God is when we read it with all of our senses and we reflect upon every word and every phrase. And so thanks be to the Lord. This was the inauguration. This was the beginning of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are here very joyful and happy because we're inaugurating something physical. This space, this room. And the brothers and sisters are going to enjoy God's presence here. And will seek the spiritual gifts. To seek that power from on high. And God manifests himself. Thanks be to the Lord. Thanks be to our God. And it is wonderful. And not too long ago, I had the opportunity to travel to Paris, France. And there was a family there. They have a 12-year-old son. This married couple, they have a 12-year-old son. And the child, from an early age, has sought the Lord. From the moment the child began to speak, always had the desire to receive spiritual gifts and to be a great preacher. He said he wants to be a great prophet from the moment he started talking. This is what you hear from this child. He said, I want to be a great preacher. And he would begin to preach about everything he saw and read. And so his parents needed to sit down and listen to him because he would carry out a service and they had to listen to him. And well, we thought this was just Something that a child was doing two, three years of age or five. But he continued with this same mindset. And he's 12 years old now. And he continues to say he wants to be a prophet. And he wants to serve God. And that he had the desire to receive the spiritual gifts. And on that day, the Lord gave revelation to his parents and his family. And spoke to them. And then the child said to me, Sister, is there nothing for me? When will the Lord give me the spiritual gifts? I want to receive the spiritual gifts. I want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I said to him, Do not worry, because God will give you the spiritual gifts at an early age. And God will give you those spiritual gifts very soon. So this was maybe two months ago, perhaps. And in this moment... I was called and told that he already received a baptism with the Holy Spirit. He received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And well, to a child, you don't really insist on them to seek the baptism with the Holy Spirit because they're children and they become teenagers and they change what they want. So... You don't really encourage a child at young age to receive those spiritual blessings, but he wanted them. He wanted them and insisted on it, and I didn't want to share any revelation with him. And he said, is there nothing for me? He said, I want the spiritual things. So I said, very soon, very soon, and at your young age, God will give you the spiritual gifts. And so he's so happy because he received the Holy Spirit, and he's already saying... When is he able to go to church and lay on hands so that the gift of prophecy may be awakened? And so, all of this happens in the church, and everything the Lord does in the church with people, we learn from that because we sometimes say, Well, this is not for children, but God makes exceptions and also gives these spiritual blessings to children. Let's remember our Lord Jesus Christ when He was 12 years of age, He was teaching the doctrine to the teachers of the law in that time. And so this is what we find. This is what we see. These are God's blessings. These are God's promises. This is what we live here in our congregation. And this is what I testify about our congregation, that we are in, we are in the right place. We are not wrong. mistaken but we are here living and enjoying a God of truth so this is why we must therefore walk uprightly to please God in all things and do his will and we must also be very careful not to twist the Lord's path that's it and now dear brothers and sisters we are going to begin our Bible study it's been more than three years since our last one and I'm a bit out of practice all right, I see this sister has raised her hand. Do we have two microphones? Sister Mary Louisa, good evening.
4: I would like to give thanks on behalf of all of my brothers and sisters who congregate here in the Church of Margate for having made possible this wish, this desire to have our own church...
3: And that is something that you need to give the Brother Oscar Carillo thanks. Oh. He's the one who finds okay. the places. Brother Oscar. He's the one who negotiates the prices, asks for a discount. They ask for five. He offers two. What I Brother do is Oscar, enjoy yes, everything you. that's done. <laughs> like today, I'm enjoying everything that you've done, all of your work. Yes, sister. Well,
4: sister... Thank you very much. Sister, I have a question in All right, so in Zechariah, the
3: prophet Zechariah. Do you have a Bible? Let's quickly take a look here in Zechariah where we have our question. Zechariah is before Malachi.
4: Zechariah chapter 6 from verses six, 1 to 8. From 1 to 8, go ahead, sister. Sister, I want to from verses 1, 2 and 3. I want to create a small summary to not make the question so long, but the Bible says in verses 1, 2, and 3, the Lord speaks to Zechariah about four chariots and horses. And he says that in the first chariot were red horses, in the second chariot black horses, in the third chariot white horses, the fourth chariot dappled horses. And verse 6 says, it says, The one with the black horses is going to the north country. The white are going after them, and the dappled are going toward the south country. Then in verse 8, Sister Mary Louisa, he says, And he called to me and spoke to me, saying, See, those who go toward the north country have given rest to my spirit in the north country. Sister Mary Louisa What is that north country? Or what does that north country represent? The north
3: country is the preaching of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord here says that he sent in the Old Testament. The Lord had formed his people, Israel, right? They were the people God had formed by the hand of Moses. And God wanted the people of Israel to do God's will to please God in all things. And it says that God would send spirits or angels, he would send them to watch over the people of Israel, to watch over to see if they were or were not doing the will of God. So this is why this prophet Zechariah saw in a vision, he saw there were four chariots. The first chariot were with red horses, the second chariot black horses And then he asked and said, well, what is this, Lord? So the angel that was with him said, these are four spirits of heaven who go out from their station before the Lord of all the earth. So these were the watchers. They were spirits or angels that God had to watch the people to see who was doing God's will and who wasn't. And God saw that no one was doing the Lord's will. So this is when it continues to narrate about the chariots and the horses. And in verse 7, it says, The strong steeds went out eager to go, that they might walk to and fro throughout the earth. And he said, Go, walk to and fro throughout the earth. And this was about the people of Israel. So they walked to and fro throughout the earth. And he called to me and spoke to me, saying, See, those who go toward the north country have given rest to my spirit in the north country. Now we know physically the Lord sent the king of Babylon, he sent him with all of his armies to punish, to go and destroy the people of Israel, especially Jerusalem or the land of Judah. They were the most jeopardized for the armies went and destroyed them. So this king was from the north. And this is why God used King Nebuchadnezzar, he used a pagan man, a foreigner to punish his people, Israel, to punish the people of Jerusalem or Judah. That was the end of that story of the people of Israel. God punished them. But what happened? So once God punished the people using the armies of the north, the Lord preserved his remnant. His remnant was taken to Babylon as captives for 70 years because from The people who lived in Babylon 70 years, they were the remnant. Out of that remnant came our Lord Jesus Christ. This is why it says that the spirit of the Lord, he in a certain way rested. He rested there in that land in the north. So this was in literal terms, speaking of Babylon, but in spiritual terms, it was his hidden remnant And through that remnant came Jesus Christ. So our Lord always speaks of physical things, but it all has spiritual symbolism. And our Lord rested in that north country because they were the ones in charge of destroying and punishing and taking back the remnant and keeping them captive for 70 years. And through them came Jesus Christ. So this is why his spirit rests. It rests in his wonderful work in his church. Very well, another question. Good evening, Sister Mary Louisa.
4: I am so excited, and I thank God for allowing me to be before your presence. And I want to thank him for the gifts that he gives us, like the church locations in order to congregate every day. And I want to thank God that he has placed you, our spiritual mother, on this earth, who has rescued us from the earth and to keep fighting to appear before God well and to please God. Sister Mary Louisa, I have a question, if you will allow me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 36. Yes, sister, you may read. If anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably toward the virgin he is engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. Sister Mary Louisa, I would like if you could teach us what the Lord meant
3: by he should do as he wants in order to not misinterpret it. In antiquity, there was a certain culture among the people of Israel. The Jewish people had customs. We we say it was their culture, but it was really everything God taught them and what he demanded, how they needed to live their life, how they needed to be the people of God, what they needed to eat and dress like, the laws and customs everything was given by God to Moses and he said I'm going to form a nation to praise me I'm going to give you laws I'm going to give you the teachings the commandments all the rules so that they may live life according to God's will so the Lord taught them how to dress how to eat what they can and cannot eat what they can drink how they should work how they should behave all of the laws Now, the curious part here is that we see that in the world, in certain countries, they have laws and the laws they have, they've drawn them from the Bible, like the law of murdering or not taking someone's life. Where do they come up with that, that you should not commit certain assaults or be envious or steal and take away things that belong to other people? Where did that come from? The Bible and we see that these types of laws exist in all countries that you need to make sure that you are keeping yourself from doing these things so we see how God is the one who gave laws to mankind and he taught them his ways so when God forms his people Israel he gives them laws and says you must submit to my laws my commandments ordinances do not do what the other strange nations are doing Because they are going to be carried away by the enemy, the devil. And the devil is going to teach them to do evil things and to contradict God. Therefore, you, you must fulfill word for word all of my commandments. So this is why in that time, God taught that the children had to submit and cherish and respect their parents. And when children reached the age of marriage... They had no right to choose who they were going to marry. Men nor women could choose, but the parents were who chose who their son or daughter could marry. And that was a law, and it could not be broken. And the children respected their parents and obeyed them. In that time, there was no importance to being in love In saying, oh, well, I fell in love. Or if I'm not in love, I can't get married. And we see that the parents are those who made those decisions. And God would support those decisions. Because God would allow people to later fall in love after their engagement or betrothment. So we see how beautiful that is. And we see the example of Isaac. When they went to go find a wife for Isaac, his servants asked God for a sign So that they were not mistaken in choosing a wife for Isaac. So God prepared the woman. He prepared Rebecca. And when the servants were on their way back home to present Rebecca, who was the woman God had shown, and they were going to present her before Isaac, and they said to him, the woman coming here, she's going to be your wife. And to her, they said, this will be your husband. And... No one protested. They had to do God's will. It needed to be respected. And it was the will of the parents that needed to be respected. And that was it. They were married. Love came later. There was no talks of divorce or separation. None of those things because it was God who did everything so perfectly. That is why God wanted to give happiness to human beings. So when the apostles, let's keep in mind, the apostles were Jews. They came from this culture, from these customs where their parents were who chose the husbands or wives for their children, and that needed to be obeyed. In that time, if a son or daughter did not submit to their parents, they would be sentenced to death. They could lose their life. Their own parents could take their life if they were disobedient or foolish the law was very strict but that is what happened now in the verse the sister was reading where in corinthians it says that if any man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his virgin well here it is the decision of the parents now if she never weds well then it's not a sin for her If she weds, then she's not sinning either. So, in the end, it was the decision, whatever decision the parents made. Today, we don't have this type of custom. We don't have this law. This was a part of the law of Moses. But... This law no longer is something we abide by because our Lord Jesus Christ, after his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, our Lord Jesus Christ changed many things. And our Lord Jesus Christ said, well, parents will no longer or human beings will no longer choose the destiny of their life and their ways. It will be the Holy Spirit. So the Lord Jesus said, well, I am leaving, but I will send the Holy Spirit and he will teach you all what you need to do, how it needs to be done. He will teach you. He will guide you, lead you. He will tell you everything. So this is why our Lord Jesus also gave an opportunity to women to partake in the Lord's ways. For in that time, women had had no participation. The only ones who sought the Lord were men. They were those who congregated. Women generally needed to be at home, raising their children and nothing more. This is why in that time, no one was concerned about reading or writing because what did it profit them to read or write if they were just going to be at home with their children? But our Lord Jesus in the gospel, it says that he was no longer going to observe whether they were women or men, slaves or free, What he was going to observe was a heart that converted to God and he was going to give an opportunity to everyone to be saved and to have eternal life, to rejoice and enjoy the guidance of the Spirit of God. This is why the Lord gave freedom and opened that door opened all of the triumphs and victories to human beings. Those who had in the past lived oppressed and as slaves for thousands of years under the law of Moses. And our Lord Jesus came and said, The Holy Spirit is who will guide each of you. He will help you. He will teach you so that you each submit to God. And also all at once, each one will fulfill with their neighbor." all of the necessary things and the duties that must be fulfilled. Now we realize that today we are guided by the Spirit of the Lord. Even for business, many people say, well, I was going to sell my home. I was going to start a business and the Holy Spirit gave me a dream. The Lord gave me a dream and in that dream, he told me not to do that. So we see how the Holy Spirit does guide and lead us. And in this same case with marriages. So today we see that parents no longer have that authority, that power over their children. Because the government defends children. And parents no longer can even punish them. They can no longer discipline them. Because children go to the government and accuse them and then things go badly for the parents. And those are just the laws. The laws that men throughout generations that have passed and time has passed and years have passed. The government puts laws into place. Some good. Some okay. Some not so good. But you still must submit to those laws and those rules. And we see that God allows this, has allowed it. So this is why the Holy Spirit says, all submit to those laws, to the government, submit and obey. So we do see how there have been many changes. And this is why today parents can't say, well, I'm going to choose a wife for my son, or I'm going to choose a husband for my daughter. No, we must let each One have their freedom to choose. But the only thing that parents can do is pray to God and set a good example and have a good testimony for these children so that they may follow those same rules and those same parameters that their parents have of that fear of God and doing what is right, upright, so that God gives victory and he blesses them in all of those aspects. So what counts today is the testimony and the example we set. So this verse No longer applies to us today, for this was back in that time under the law of Moses and the apostles. When they began to preach the gospel, they could not just remove everything from the law of Moses from one day to the next. They couldn't. It was a law that was thousands of years old. How could they remove in a month or in a year or in weeks? It was impossible And it's only as time goes by that the Holy Spirit teaches and manifests himself. He changes things. And so people then adapt little by little. And this adaptation of little by little could take years, thousands of years, perhaps. It's now been 2,000 plus years since our Lord Jesus Christ started the gospel. And even till this day, there are still so many things that we are subjected to, under those laws of antiquity and we still fight against that and in some countries there is still this struggle some countries still abide by these things and don't want to change so this is all a process that takes many years now in the meantime we enjoy the guidance of the holy spirit so this young woman this virgin if she doesn't marry well that's fine if she never married There isn't a problem with that. And if she does get married, that's not a problem either. But it is then the decision of the men and women who stand before God and present themselves. And God is the one who chooses what is best for each of them. That is what this is saying concerning women. And the Holy Spirit, of course, does teach us. And you are witnesses as well that there was once... A person, a woman, she was going to pick someone to get married to. And the Holy Spirit told her, no, it is not suitable for you to marry this man or to him. He says, it is not what's best for you to marry that woman. Wait in my time. And so we see this. We find that today we are guided by the Spirit of God. And that these scriptures are wonderful. But we also have to be wise and have understanding, and use our logic. And we must also find ourselves in the suitable time and in the place so that we are able to submit to these things. And what you hear, brothers and sisters, in some denominations or religions, there's an excessive fanaticism. This is where it comes from. In some churches and people, there's fanaticism because they literally interpret things and there are many things that the Holy Spirit has changed already and no one has realized and they interpret things literally and they force people today to still abide and keep this and that should not be so and we thank our Lord because we have the Spirit of God and he teaches us and please excuse me for such a long answer another question
0: good evening sister may God bless you it's a promise from the Lord that I would be before the presence of his servant asking you a question. I have two questions in the Bible, but they're very short.
3: Well, the answer is what tends to be long. <laughs> yes, brother, go ahead.
0: The first one is found in Isaiah 41, 25, which coincidentally is related to the question that the first sister asked. This
3: Isaiah evening.
0: forty-one twenty-five. May I read, sister? Yes, brother. I have raised up one from the north, and he shall come. From the rising of the sun, he shall call on my name. And he shall come against princes as the mortar, as the potter treads clay. But in Ezra 1-2, Ezra 1-2. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Sister, my question is, was the one that was raised up from the north Cyrus, king of Persia?
3: In his time, what you've read in Ezra, in its time where it says Cyrus, where he says the Lord God has commanded me to build him a house, well, it was because he was the king at the time. Since kings were those who gave the command to people to return to Jerusalem. If there had not been a command from the king, then no one could return. If they did leave on their own, they would be held prisoners. So God revealed to this king in that time, to Cyrus, and he revealed to him to allow and give permission to the Jews to return to Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple, to rebuild what had been destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. So we see that these are different times. What you are reading in Ezra happened 70 years after the people, the remnant, had been in Babylon for 70 years. And what you read in Isaiah 41, these are things that had not happened or they happened Before the destruction of Jerusalem or of the people of Israel, it was way before many centuries back, what you were reading in Isaiah. So Isaiah is in the time of the kings and Ezra is after the deportation, after Babylon, 70 years when they were there as slaves in Babylon, this is when God in his mercy allows them to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the city and the temple of the Lord. So these are two different times. But your question is concerning the north, or what is it, brother?
0: King Cyrus, king of Persia. Right.
3: King Cyrus of Persia was after the king of Babylon, after the destruction of Jerusalem. And in Isaiah, it was centuries before. So we cannot link those two different times and those different things that occurred there because this is a completely different prophecy. In Isaiah, it is about the future of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Cyrus, well, he was at the time ruling in the time of the Persians he was the one ruling, and he was the only one who could give permission to the Jews to return back to their country. And this is why God touched Cyrus's heart to allow this to happen. But do not be confused. These were different times, brother.
0: Thank you very much, sister. My second question is found in Ezekiel 17, 22,
3: and 23. Ezekiel is also before... The destruction of Jerusalem, it is before the deportation to Babylon. Just so that we situate ourselves in time and history so that we're able to better understand. Go ahead and read, brother.
0: Thank you, sister. Thus says the Lord God, I will take also one of the highest branches of the high cedar and set it out. I will crop off from the topmost of its young twigs, a tender one, and will plant it on a high and prominent mountain. On the mountain height of Israel I will plant it, and it will bring forth boughs and bear fruit, and be a majestic cedar. Under it will dwell birds of every sort. In the shadow of its branches they will dwell. Sister, from what I've understood from everything that you've taught over the course of time, I understand that this cedar is Jerusalem.
3: No, no, brother. That was in reference to the king of Babylon. In verse 20, it says, I will spread my net over him and he shall be taken in my snare. I will bring him to Babylon and try him there. This is speaking of the last king that existed in Israel. And this is a story that we find in Chronicles. It's the last chapter of Chronicles is the story of Zedekiah, the last king of Israel. God punished him. And he humiliated him and put him in the hands of the king of Babylon to do with him however he pleased, and he was punished. So God used the king of Babylon to punish the people of Israel and to destroy Jerusalem, the temple of Solomon, and also the city of Jerusalem. It was all destroyed. But the punishment was for that king, King Zedekiah.
0: Okay, thank you, sister. And the highest branches that the Lord is going to plant is that our Lord Jesus Christ?
3: Also, there, the Lord begins to speak of the end because when they, the remnant, was living in Babylon for 70 years after being destroyed, the remnant was taken captive to Babylon. They spent 70 years there. After those 70 years, this is where we find the beautiful story of Daniel and all of the rest of them. And this is when God touches the heart of Cyrus so that the Jews who were in Babylon could once again return to Jerusalem. So there is where God also speaks of those branches. It speaks of this tree that will be a blessing. But that is now referring to our Lord Jesus Christ. But this did happen many centuries later or this promise was fulfilled centuries later let's continue
0: good evening sister may god bless you greatly it's a fulfilled promise of the lord that we would be in a spiritual banquet and that i would be directing myself toward his beloved servants i give thanks to the king in ecclesiastes 2 verse verse 24. This is a verse that is often misinterpreted by the world. A few weeks ago...
3: Ecclesiastes 2.24, yes, brother.
0: Yes. A few weeks ago, sister, you taught us regarding what freedom is and that the world turns into debauchery. May I read, sister? Yes, brother. Nothing is better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also, I saw, was from the hand of God. We, who read the Bible...
3: Brother, excuse me for a second. Here, where it says there is nothing better for a man than he should eat and drink, it is saying eat and drink, but not saying eat and get drunk. It's very different. What can you drink? Well, you can drink milk, juice, You can drink uh, a specialty drink in Peru called chicha, which is made out of fruit. You can drink a beer. You can drink wine, right? Those were the drinks that were common among the people of Israel. They would drink a lot of wine because that's what the land would yield. They would have a lot of grapes. And so they would have wine to accompany their food. So water as well. But in that time, I believe... People didn't drink as much water, but they did have drinks like wine and cider. There were people who did drink milk and fruit juices. That's it. This is what this means. Eat and drink, not eat and get drunk. Very different. And I think this is what people misinterpret, especially in Latin America when you say, well, we have to eat and drink. So immediately people assume, oh, let's get the whiskey out. Or the gin or vodka. It's about getting drunk. But no. We can drink liquids with our food. And there are different types of drinks. So what God doesn't want is for people to get drunk. Because when people get drunk, they go crazy. They do harmful things to people, to their family, to those who surround them. So the Lord... He says, it's okay to drink wine, but don't get drunk, because you'll go crazy if you do. You might even take someone else's life while you're in that drunken state. So this is what people sometimes misinterpret. And, brother, continue with your question.
0: No, sister, you already answered my question. All right then, brother. (laughs) It was the difference between the freedom that you've taught us and debauchery. Right,
3: but no, brother, because... It does say eat and drink, but it's very different from saying eat and get drunk, right? It's different. So this is why people sometimes have a saying, especially in Colombia. This is where I hear people talk about the drinker. Oh, this person's a drinker. So you have to eat and drink. And immediately when they hear that, they think we have to get drunk. But that's not it. Simply, you do drink a beverage sometimes to digest your foods, I'll write other questions because I love the Bible studies. Over three years without having a Bible
4: study. Glory be to the Lord for this because I delight myself with the Bible studies. It is our spiritual nourishment. I love you in the Lord. My question is in Matthew chapter 5. It would actually be from verse 38 to 46, but I want to focus on verses 40 and 44.
3: It says. All right. So Matthew 5 and verse 40 and 44. Yes.
4: If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also.
3: Okay. So what does this mean here? It means patience. Put patience to work. And do not be irritable and upset. Whoever wants to sue you, Well then, don't pay them back in the same way. Because if this person is angry, if this person has resentment, anger, they're bothersome, they have wrath, then you, if you reply in the same way, what does it end up in? Well, it ends up in maybe something tragic, right? Maybe a physical aggression that could even lead to death. So when it says, if someone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, don't pay attention to it. It's not important. Rather, remain silent, be patient, say nothing, flee. It is better that you flee. That's it. You put patience to work. And it says, and whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. So then walk two more miles with that person. Whoever becomes upset and angry with you, who challenges you, Who threatens you? Don't be angry with that person. So if a person maybe casts a stone at you, you cast it right back at them. No, we must avoid and flee all of those traps that the enemy sets in a person's life. Avoid and flee from that with patience, with understanding, with prudence, with the wisdom, and being sober-minded. We put a lot of things to work in that, in that moment so that we do not contend and argue and take part in those types of of issues and verbal aggressions and offenses, you simply flee from that. That is what the Lord was implying, to avoid forming enemies. So they had to avoid forming enemies and resist this. So if there is a scornful person... There's no point in giving them advice because they will go against you. So be wise, be prudent. If there is a scornful person arguing, complaining, say nothing. And then they will get tired of talking and then the argument is over. The problem is over with this is what the Lord is trying to teach us, that we should be prudent, wise, and patient. That's it. We should not make things any bigger than they already are. We should not try and match the fury of someone else or the wrath of someone else. So then I will be angry too. And this this is when there are tragedies. Terrible things happen in our lives or in people's lives. This is what the Lord is teaching us, that we must be patient for everything and be wise. Let's continue.
4: Yes, sister. Good evening, sister. May the Lord bless you. My wish is that the Lord may give you more years of life to continue to teach us this doctrine that helps us. My question is, sister, in Matthew 10, 9, and 10. I am asking this question, sister, because the Lord has told me in prophecy that I would be serving Him and that He would allow me to travel to many parts of the world to speak of His Word.
3: Matthew 10. Matthew
4: ten, nine, and 10. It says, Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food.
3: All right, sister. This command our Lord Jesus Christ gave to his twelve disciples in that time. Back in that time, our Lord Jesus Christ sent his 12 disciples and told them to go to all of the villages, all of the small towns, because back in that time, the cities were very small. They were just small towns and communities. There was no transportation, so people would walk a lot. And they had to go and evangelize and to testify what our Lord Jesus Christ was doing back in that time in those days. So he commands his 12 disciples and tells them, go and preach the gospel, go and rescue those lost sheep of Israel and work healings, miracles, wonders, speak of the kingdom of heaven. And there will be no need for you to carry a bag with your clothing, with your food and everything you need. He would tell them, go, because they're the people, those who you will preach to, since there are going to be miracles and signs worked, people will be healed, people will receive blessings and benefits as a sign of appreciation and gratitude. They will tend to you. They will give you food. They will be hospitable to you and give you lodging and they will give you clothes. They will give you everything. So You'll have no need to carry anything because they're going to provide you with everything. And that is exactly what happened. They would go and evangelize and they would have more than enough food. They would have lodging and special care and attention from people in appreciation for all of the miracles God was working through the hands of the apostles. People would receive all of those benefits and this is why they would then care for them. Now, if today... If this does happen today, what can occur is that people as a sign of appreciation because God places that gratitude and joy in them. So those who preach sometimes receive benefits. I receive many benefits wherever I go because the brothers and the sisters, they gift me with many things. They give me clothes, jewelry, food, gifts, and things today are a bit different, not like in antiquity. Things are a bit more modern, but the attention of the believers is still the same out of that affection and love that God gives them those blessings. So they want to tend and care for those who preach. So the brothers who preach, they have those experiences and wherever they go, people care for them, give them gifts. And it's not that the preachers are asking for this. But this comes from people's hearts to want to give them this. So this is a beautiful promise that came from the very beginning when our Lord told the disciples to go, but carry nothing with you because you will have more than enough. And today it is the same brothers and sisters. That's it. They are gifts or blessings that God gives. So this is why the Lord said, the worker is worthy of his food. So those that work, Those who work and sow the land, well, then he is worthy to eat what the land yields. If he plants an orange tree, well, then he will enjoy the oranges because he planted them. And so likewise, those that sow the word of God, God also allows people to receive those other blessings. So the sister was saying that the Lord has told her that she will be preaching the word. But this does not mean that you are going to travel without a bag. We can't go to certain extremes today because the Lord said this to the apostles. But today, God has people whom he's going to send and they're going to travel to a certain part of the world, but we're not going to go to that extent and say, we're not going to travel with any luggage and travel with nothing. No, we have to be logical. We have to use our logic. And we must, again, remember the time and the context. We must read this knowing that time so that everything we do is with wisdom. It is within wisdom. And so my dear brothers and sisters, let us now give thanks to the Lord for today for the inauguration of this place that is very beautiful and that I'm sure the brothers and sisters who will congregate will receive the spiritual gifts. God will use them. And the Lord is also going to allow many to leave and go preach in other places to serve the Lord in other places. So let us pray to the Lord and let us ask Him to manifest working miracles in our lives. Blessed Lord, Almighty. Thank you, Holy Father. Thank you, Lord, because you are are a God of love, of mercy, a great, mighty, righteous God. Thank you, eternal God, because in your word, you also mention that you are sympathetic of punishment, but you want to teach and correct us so that we walk in this path of uprightness. Praised and blessed is your name, Lord. We thank you. We praise you for your mercy and for your love. Holy Father, In the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved son, I ask that in this moment you stretch out your mighty healing hand and may you work miracles, signs and healings for all people, all the brothers and sisters who are suffering of different diseases and who have maybe loved ones who are ill I pray, Lord, that you manifest yourself and that you heal each person, that you deliver them from witchcraft and sorcery and curses, that you break spiritual bonds of death, that you destroy the work of the enemy, remove all evil, especially those who trust in you. Lord, we love you. We want to praise and glorify your name for you are worthy. Thank you, Lord. And now that the brothers and sisters are leaving this evening, may you bless this place. May you manifest yourself with the spiritual gifts and the power of your Holy Spirit. Manifest yourself and bless this place that has been sanctified for you. Lord, thank you for this place once again. Holy Father, Lord, stretch out your hand and bless each person in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son. The honor, the glory are for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, blessed Almighty God. Thank you, my Father. Toma por favor,
2: mi mano, senor. Contigo, quiero. ir. Con sangre aquí pagaste por mí. Te Quiero, Quiero Wow.
3: is the Lord. All praises to our God. Thanks be to the King. Thanks be to our God. Thanks to you also, brothers and sisters. God bless you and the brothers and sisters in the other room. God bless you greatly. And you have a place here now to praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you until next time.